now we're going to get to the word. And I'm going to invite Mike to please come to the front here by the open. And uh, yeah, let's stretch our, out our hands and just pray for Mike. Father, thank you for tonight already. Thank you that you are speaking to us and that you are just so intimate with us tonight, Lord. And Father, I just pray that as Mike starts speaking about hearing you and you speaking to us and, and all of those things, Father, I just pray that you'll just bless him in this time, Father. But most importantly, Lord, that we'll just receive whatever he has for us. I just pray, Lord, that, that you'll be with him and that you'll speak through him in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you, Stephen. Good evening, everybody. Yeah, I love being with you guys. You guys are so fun. Um, yeah, yeah, somebody agrees. 2012, we had just moved here. We'd only been here four or five months, and I went with my friend Yvonne to Baviansport um, Correction Facility to visit a um, prison ministry, because I was wondering at that time, God, why did you move me across the planet? I'm here, I'm, what am I supposed to do? So I went with Yvonne to see if maybe I must serve there. And we were at Bavian Sport, and Yvonne is like, I hope he's not here, because if you know Yvonne, just, I don't think he'll mind, but he's like for serious Afrikaner, right? It was, it was July, so it was cold, so he had two pairs of shorts on, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Because it's, it's, it's winter, right? it's cold. So, so he's wearing his shorts, and we're going, and he says, so you're from America? And I said, yeah, and we're visiting. And I expressed interest in learning the local language, you know, some of the local languages, at least learning bits and pieces, trying to say something. And he said, listen, man, I won't take you serious until you can say, ach, rather Celsius. And I was like, yo, cool, man. Let me just spend a few minutes working up some phlegm, and I'll get back with you. Celsius. But when he first said it, I was like, just say that a few more times. Yeah, and you know, there's a few things we learned to say where just say that a few more times. You know, I was I was down in the Cape and I needed to apologize for something. So I asked a friend of mine, you know, how do I apologize? Because I was accidentally rude. And they said, No, you must say, Say that a few more times. And I'm still, yeah, I got some looks. I got some looks just now. I didn't get it right, but I'm trying. I'm trying. Okay. <laughs> you know, but yeah, it was tough. But the point is I had to listen. If I ever have any prayer of saying those things right, I got to do a lot of listening. Right. And I want to, I want to, since I get to live in South Africa, I don't want to just speak American English. How many two nations divided by a common language? I speak English and people still don't understand. You know, I went to the um, I went to the hardware store and I asked for a, for a um, a crescent wrench. And they're like, eh, what? A crescent wrench? And you know, it took forever. We finally found an adjustable spanner. And the guy was like, what is a crescent about this? What is? It's not a crescent. What What are you coming up? What in nonsense are you speaking? You know, and if I want to learn to speak here, I have to listen to what people are saying and I have to listen well. And you know what language I really want to learn to speak? I want to learn to speak the language of heaven. I want to learn to speak. I want to say in this world what daddy is saying, because if I just speak out of my own first impressions, it might not. It might do damage instead of bringing life. 
right? So when I went into the Bavian Sport with um, Ivan, these guys, it was so funny. They joked around. He says, they say, we sing short, simple choruses so we can remember the words, and we sing over and over until you believe it. And it's true, man. They sang the same thing, like the, the deepest song, hey? And it was true, man. It was so deep because um, of gratitude. But here was the words. You ready? Giabonga, 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 giabonga. You know what the next four words were? Giabonga. <laughs> and sang it for 10 minutes. And, and, and about 10 minutes in, everybody was grateful. Not just that they were done with the song, but we were grateful <laughs> to the Lord. Right? But there was one song that I just really want to bring up. And they sang that afternoon, right? And the guy started, you know, there's a guy that prompts everyone and everyone else jumps in. And there were no Afrikaners there, but everyone was singing this Afrikaans song, right? And the guy says, Prat met me ekleister. And then the other guy goes, Prat met me, Prat met me, Baba Prat met me, Prat met me, Baba Prat met me ekleister. Man, I sang that for 10 minutes. And then they went into English. Speak to me, I listen. Right? Listen. Are you listening tonight? Right? And I hope, the point of tonight, I hope when we leave, our hearts will agree with that old song. Speak to me, Father. I am listening. Right? So when you leave tonight, pray. That's your heart. So why don't you swipe with me? Right? If anyone's turning with me, lacquer. Hey, let me see the real Bibles. The real Bibles in the house? Yeah. Old school. Right? Turn with me, swipe with me to 1 Samuel chapter 3. 1 Samuel's after Judges. No, it's not, but it happens after Judges. <laughs> 1 Samuel chapter 3. Yeah. Okay, if you can't find it, Google it. <laughs> Let's look at verse 1. The boy Samuel, he's still a child at this time. Maybe he's a teenager, but he's still a boy. Uh, ministered before the Lord under Eli. Backstory time, Samuel lived in the temple with the high priest whose name is Eli. He lived in the temple because his mom was barren for years and years and years. And she finally cried out, God, if you let me conceive a son, I will give him to you. So in chapter 2, the Lord gave her a son, and she gave him. And he lived at the temple, and his name was Samuel, right? So he ministered before the Lord under Eli. In those days, the word of the Lord was rare. Didn't that sound fun? Yeah, this, no. There were not many visions. In those days, we're just going to go through the first 10 verses of 1 Samuel 3 tonight and have a little fun and look at what we see there. So in those days, the word of the Lord was rare. And I have this question, what are the days like around you? The word of the Lord was rare around Samuel. And how come it was rare? Well, if you look historically in, um, in the, the book of Judges and in the, in the first couple chapters of 1 Samuel, because they follow historically immediately one after the other, um, the word of the Lord was rare because there was corruption in the priesthood. Hey, the corruption, hey. Temple capture, right? It's a problem, right? And this corruption is documented in chapters one and two. And um, <laughs> sorry, did I push a button there? <laughs> Y'all forgive me. 
just having a good time. <laughs> Someone give some context to my American friends. <laughs> oh man, it's also, it's also the word of the Lord is rare because this culture is incredibly rebellious in this season, right? Just read the book of Judges. It is hectic, hectic, right? The stuff that went on when the people's hearts were far, far, far from the Lord. So the word of the Lord was rare. And I want to ask, do you feel like the word of the Lord is rare around you or in your house or in your community? And if it's rare, why? Why? Because this challenge I want to give straight away. Communication is a two-way street. And if the word of the Lord is ever rare, it ain't because he's not speaking. He's speaking, y'all. If the word of the Lord is rare, the problem on our side, not on his side, right? And the problem was definitely in Samuel's, in young Samuel's time on the side of the people, right? If the word of the Lord is rare, it's because we're not listening. Historically, why do we feel like it's so hard to hear the voice of the Lord? And, you know, because we... It's a struggle. I mean, I've been in meetings where they say, you know, we're going to just take a minute and listen to the Lord. And something in my heart goes, ah, I can't do that, man. I'm going to feel all kind of pressure. Right? Am I the only one? Right? Support group for one. Eh? Just y'all feel sorry for me. Right? You feel this thing inside. Oh, I can't do that. i got to hear, you know. And we're expecting. What are you expecting, you know? Um, it, you know, we spend a lot of times reading the Old Testament prophets. We expect the Lord to give us a word like that. You know, let me just set you free. No, he's not going to give you an oracle against Ammon. Right? Because there is no nation of Ammon anymore. You know, that was what he told Isaiah or somebody to do. Or maybe I'm misremembering the name of the, right? You know, I promise I'm not going to say anything about Nambia tonight. So that's a political joke. <laughs> right? He, I'm just being naughty. He's not going to do that. Right? The, the, those prophets... God, God um, recorded that history, an example for us and to speak powerfully to us. But every day of our lives, when God wants to speak to us, it's not going to be, thus saith the Lord. Blah, you know, God says simple things. The biggest thing he says most of the time, constantly, constantly is, I love you. True story. True story. I went through... I went through a hectic, hectic, difficult time in 2012, actually a few months before my trip with Yvonne, where I learned to say, the Celsius. And, and in that time, it was just, it was, a, it was a very traumatic thing. And I would run to the Lord and I would be, you know, it's time to pray. And I would sit there and I would say, God, I'm here. I got nothing. I'm just here. You know, and sometimes I would ask him hard questions. And every now and then, it was trauma, I would ask him a disrespectful question, you know. And, and not that my heart is to be disrespectful, but, you know, and the funny thing is, God didn't like leave. He could handle it. Isn't that great? You know, and I would ask, I would ask, where were you? You know, and he would answer me. I love you. He said that to me so much. God says that. He says, I love you. He says, so 
So we need to temper our expectations. Don't expect, don't feel pressure to download some 35-page oracle against the nation of pick your nation. That's not what God's generally going to say to you. He's going to say things like, I love you. He's going to say things like, I made you for this day. He's going to say things like that. So we make it too hard. What was the first thing God ever said to man? This is great. I typed the reference down, but I didn't type the scripture. So seriously, swipe with me. <laughs> Let me find my Bible app. Genesis chapter 1, verse 28. Uh, it's so quiet. Does that mean y'all are looking? Are y'all watching me look at my Bible? Are y'all with me? Genesis chapter 1, verse 28. Here you go. The first thing God ever said to man. You ready? God blessed them. Yeah. That's how God speaks. God blessed them and said, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Then he said, I give you every seed bearing plot on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit and seed in it, they will be yours for food. And to all the beasts of the earth and all the birds in the sky and all the creatures that move along the ground, everything that has a breath of life in it, I give every green plant for food. And it was so. What's the first thing God ever said to man? He blessed them. And he said, I'm providing for you. And he shared his authority with man. That's the first thing he ever said. Right? So that's powerful. Those are the kind of things. Notice it's not this big prophetic word. It's this big thing. The first thing God ever said to man is, hey, you hungry? <laughs> right? Isn't that great? Doesn't that sound like your grandma? <laughs> come, come, eat, eat. I got built on come. You know, right? right? Just come. You must, you know, I go to my grandma's house and yeah, just constantly. All they want to do is feed you. Right? The first thing he does, hey, do you want some food? And then he says, my domain is your domain. And he shares all of his authority with his child. That's how God speaks, right? And I say God speaks. Some, of you, some folks might have been expecting like harsh discipline or this lofty academic theological lofty stuff. First thing God ever said to man was, here's where the food is. And here's my authority. Sharing it. I find that very beautiful. But what's the first thing the devil ever said to man? So you don't have to turn there, but Ephesians 3 verse 1. The first thing he ever said to man was Genesis, not Ephesians. Ah, gotcha. <laughs> Genesis, I love Ephesians 3. <laughs> Let's just change the sermon. Let's just go there. Genesis chapter 3 verse 1. First thing the devil ever said to man was, did God really say God's holding out on you he's afraid you're going to be like him he knows you will be like him and he's holding out on you and the devil came to plant that seed and there was a massive train smash wasn't it what's the first thing man said back to God after that train smash Genesis chapter 3 Verse 10. First thing man said to God after the train smash, otherwise known as the fall of man for you theologians. 
He answered, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked. So I hid. And there's a really short picture of a broken relationship. Now, the question I'm trying to answer is, why is it so hard to hear the voice of the Lord? That's why I'm on this little bunny trail through Genesis chapters 1, 2, and 3. Because ever since we as mankind took a bite out of that lie, we've misinterpreted the communication of God because of our rebellious nature. We misinterpret his commandments. We misinterpret his discipline. We misinterpret his correction. And we don't hear his message of love at all. Right? Listen to people who don't know Christ talk about the Bible. All they talk about is the commandments and the different things that God instructed the nation of Israel to do. There's nothing whatsoever about the overwhelming majority of the things God did does for love and about his father heart. It's in scripture. How come? Our rebellious nature, we don't hear that. We're not listening to that. We hear that correction and we misinterpret it. We don't understand it. So it's difficult for us since we took that bite to understand and to try to hear the voice of the Lord. How come we do this misinterpreting? Because when Adam took that bite and since we were all in Adam, we didn't get a vote, but it happened to all of us. Right? So when Adam took that bite on behalf of all of us, thanks, Brew. That was really nice. This is when the voice of shame entered the picture. Now, shame's voice sounds significantly different from God's voice. Shame's voice says, I can't trust God. That's what the devil told me. He's holding out on you. He's holding out on you. He doesn't want you to have what he has. He's holding out on you. So I can't trust God. Since God didn't, since God wasn't fully upright, straight up with me at first, I can't trust him now either. And that's where fear comes from. I'm not talking about godly fear. When, when my kids were really small, we lived out in the country in Texas. And there was a power line. And y'all, it was only like 10 meters, maybe 15 meters high. Right? But you know, when you're this high, man, that thing looks like Mount Everest, man. It's up there. Right? And in Texas, we love baseball. And my friend Hillary is wearing the jersey of the 2017 Major League Baseball champion Houston Astros. I'm from Houston, so, right? We are, the, we are the champions. Thank you very much. So I love it, right? So, um, so I would take the baseball outside, and my kids would say, throw it over that power line. And I'd be like, you know, it wasn't hard. Over it went, they're like, oh, wow, do it again, do it again. You know, I'm a smart dad. They're like, sure, just go fetch the ball. <laughs> And now we do it again, right? That's the sort of the fear of God. That's the healthy fear of God, right? Whoa, except when we look at God, it is justified. Not like me throwing the baseball at my kids. But when we look at God, it is justified. Whoa, but this isn't the fear that Adam has now that he's broken his relationship with God. Now that this mistrust is entered in, it's the wrong kind of fear. It's not only were you not honest with me, but now I don't trust you and I don't feel safe because I've broken your rule and I, I know things that you didn't, that it sounded like you, that you didn't think I should know. And now I don't trust you. And that's what the enemy did. Adam and Eve did not gain what the enemy promised they would gain, but they lost what he was hoping they would lose. 
right? So I can't trust God, and that's where the fear comes from. I can only trust myself, and that's where the deception comes from. So we're afraid, we're deceived, but then he, he has the knowledge of good and evil. I can't trust God, but look at me, I'm naked, and that's where the shame comes from. So they went from these glorious walks with God to hiding and trying to sow fig leaves. And y'all be smart. Get some cotton. You know, leaves. Right. You had the knowledge of good and evil, but not much common sense, I'm afraid. <laughs> leaves. Right. But every day in our modern world, we're inundated with this voice of shame. Pastor Louie pointed out this morning. It's loud. It's obnoxious. It's all around us. It's the soundtrack of our age. Shame is the soundtrack of our age. And you would listen to people shaming one another. Constantly shaming people who believe like this, shaming people who believe like that, shaming people who don't do this, shaming people who do that. Do you know why we shame one another? To relieve the shame we feel. Shame is the soundtrack of our age. And I was sitting in prayer this afternoon um, with the leaders at five o'clock and thinking, man, God, you know, help us, help us to Help us to turn our back on the voice of shame so we can hear your voice again. And I was just ruminating over this. God, we gotta, we got to just throw this voice of shame out. You know, then I had this lovely thing called, um, that South Africans call tinnitus and Americans call tinnitus. Do you all know what that is? Do you like this Texan accent? Tinnitus. It's this beautiful, wonderful thing, not, where your ear just screams constantly. It's actually very uncomfortable. Um, and mine's been going for about five years, this left ear. And um, it's always there, but it started roaring nice and pretty. And I'm like, that's just great. Thanks. You know, it's there roaring. And I'm like, God, help us, you know, turn our back on the voice of shame. And the Lord brought the attention to this tinnitus in my left ear. You know what it does? There's so much, when there's a lot of noise, when we're, all, when we're all having a gay or connect or when we're in a mall or when there's music playing, when there's a lot of noise and sound and different frequencies, the, the frequency that's screaming in my ear is the same, some of the same frequencies that's in the racket around. And because it's the same as some of the frequencies that's in the racket around, I struggle now to pick out your voice when you're talking to me, right? even though we're standing close. And I remember three years ago thinking, how come it's difficult now for me to pick out what I want to listen to? Because it used to not be difficult. <laughs> you know, I used to could stare at whatever and I could listen to that thing with all the noise around. And it's because there's a sound inside. And I want to challenge you tonight. It's time for you to throw out the thing inside your soul that sounds just like the nonsense in our world. Stop agreeing with the voice of shame. Stop talking like that inside your soul. Stop talking like that inside your heart. Stop agreeing with that demonic wisdom and tell it to leave. Right? If you speak shame over yourself tonight, I want to beg you to repent. Right? If there's anything you're ashamed of, listen, godly sorrow brings life. Paul says, and worldly sorrow brings death. What is worldly sorrow? Worldly sorrow is either when you're ashamed and you beat yourself up or when you're defensive and you're just mad you got caught. Isn't that fun? Right? How dare you correct me? <laughs> right? But there's a lot of shame. Shame is working death 
in a lot of people. I want to say it's not from God, right? And I want to beg you as a, as a fellow follower of Christ, once you repent tonight, say, God, forgive me for agreeing with that voice. And I will not agree with it anymore. And what do we agree with? Ask the Lord what he says about you. Ask the Lord. So we throw out that, that voice, that tinnitus in the ears of your soul. Right? Then you can hear the Lord speaking to your spirit. And the Lord saying things like, I created this whole universe so there would be an earth that would have you in it because I wanted to enjoy you. If you don't think God would say that to you, you need to read Ephesians 1 verse 4. And I think it is Ephesians. Ephesians 1 verse 4. Throw the voice of shame out and let our souls be still before the Lord. Be still and know that I am God, he says through the psalmist. But there's a completely different voice. Enough about this demonic shame thing. There's a completely different voice, and it's the voice of the Father that created you. And he's still walking in the cool of the day, like we see in Genesis chapter 3, searching for relationship with his children. And why was God walking in the cool of the day? I think that's verse 7. Verse, verse 8, the Lord God came walking in the cool of the day. Why does he do that? Why is he walking in the cool of the day and speaking. Why does God speak? We're going to have five weeks now on, on hearing God's voice. Why does he speak? And we're like, to tell us what to do, eh? No. Right? It's not just to tell us what to do. Most of the time, it's not with instruction. Okay? How many of you guys have friends? Girlfriend, boyfriend? How many have children? Right? 90% of the words you say are not instruction, are they? Why does God speak? He wants relationship. God is a relational God. I remember this, this thing where God says, I will dwell among them and I will be their God and they will be my people. I thought, I'm just going to, I'm just going to try to study how many times does this appear in scripture, right? I will be their God and they will be my people. It was just, just for miles down my screen. So I thought, let me just count the ones where he specifically says, I will dwell among them and I will be their God and they will be my people. I stopped counting at seven because it was just over and over. But there was one in Genesis, there was one in Revelation, at least one, and there was all in between. Guys, God wants relationship. He doesn't want to just give you orders. He doesn't want to just tell you what you did wrong. He wants relationship. That's why he speaks. He's a relational God. We were designed to hear his voice. Right? Because God created us in his image. Isn't that what it says in Genesis 1? Right? We were created in his image. Um, when I had children, they, man, it was so crazy. My children were born, and when, they, and when they were born, I held them in my hands, and man, it didn't look like a cat or a dog or, a, or an elephant. It looked like a human. Isn't that something? Because I'm their father, and being human, I had... We, of course, my wife did all the work. But we had human children, right? So the Father created us after his image. You know, I try to communicate with my, my daughter has a cat. She, she, she asked me for a cat. I said no. And she kept asking me. I said, ask Jesus. The next day, there was a cat <laughs> on the stoop. <laughs> 
I'm going to never tell her to ask Jesus for something again. I was like, tell Jesus, ask Jesus for money. Come on, my cat. Right? So I'm not trying to communicate to this cat. Nobody's home. Right? The food's over there. Go eat the food. Come sit over here. And that cat, nobody's home. He doesn't get me. He doesn't understand. But then he walks in and no, it doesn't shut up. Constantly. And you're like, what do you want? Shut up. We do not understand one another because he's not created after my image. <laughs> I used to love cats. I don't like cats. Right? <laughs> Someone don't clap. <laughs> But you and I were created after God's image. So when he speaks, we're designed to understand. It's not hard work. You're built to hear his voice. You are built to hear his voice. So as we dive into this thing over the next five weeks, it is not going to be a struggle. It is not. It's time for freedom and joy. It's time for freedom because God, you want to understand God is rejoicing over you. That's what Zechariah says. It says, it's such nice academic language. He rejoices over us with singing. Did y'all know that the Hebrews didn't even have an alphabet until they met the Phoenicians? Before then, their language was pictorial, like the Egyptian language. The Hebrew language looked like hieroglyphics. And now we have the Bible written in the Hebrew language, and it was, oh, there's an alphabet. But there's still that flavor of the words being more pictures than, um, than, um, than abstract terminology. So he says, he rejoices over us with singing. Here's the picture. It's a daddy bouncing a toddler and on his knee and singing goofy, silly songs. Right? That is how Father feels about you. He celebrates you. You make him smile. Right? You make him grin. And some of you are going to hear the voice of the Lord. And you're going to say, man, there was nothing profound. He was just laughing. Yeah. Yeah, it's going to be a beautiful time. It's going to be a beautiful five weeks. The Lord let me write a song last year, and uh, this line, I thought, well, that's just a weird line. But the more I remembered Zephaniah, and I was like, oh, that's right. But the line is, I hear him laugh and sing over me. And I believe, I believe the, that some of you are going to hear the Lord laughing, maybe for the first time in the next few weeks. And I trust the Lord for that, right? It's a completely different voice. All right, that was the introduction. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Look at verse 2, just quickly. One night, Eli, whose eyes were becoming so weak that he could barely see, was lying down in his usual place. Um, Y'all, Eli is one of the corrupt, he's one of the problems. He's the corrupt, he's the guy in that, he's the problem with temple capture, right? He's the problem, okay? So um, he's becoming so weak he could barely see, and he's lying down in his usual place, the lamp of God had not get, yet gone out. I researched that. It just means it's not morning yet. There was a lamp that they kept lit until morning. So it's about 4 a.m. And Samuel was lying down in the house of the Lord. Right? Dude's like 15 or something. And he's lying down in the house of the Lord where the ark of God was. That's where the presence of God is. Then the Lord called Samuel. And this is how good... The job Eli's doing. Y'all check this out. Samuel answered, here am I. Then he ran to Eli. He said, here I am. You called me. And Eli, Eli was like, you know, Samuel's knocking on the door. And he's like, well, what are you selling? I don't want any. What? What? You called me. Eli said, boy, you're talking nonsense. Go back and lay down. 
So he went and laid down again. The Lord called Samuel, and Samuel ran to Eli and says, here I am. And Eli says, when not? I'm trying to sleep. Go lie down. Right? I just want that to, was, that was a paraphrase, right? <laughs> Verse 6. But I want to point out, Samuel was in the right place. When you're in church tonight with a body of believers, you are in the right place. Tomorrow morning, if you get up and say, Jesus, live your life through me today, you are in the right place. Right? If you're driving your car to work, if you're riding the taxi to work or walking to work, and you're saying, God, please be with me today. God, I just want to be in your presence. You're in the right place. You're in the right place to hear the voice of God. It's as simple as being in the right place. Some examples of that. Um, Matthew 3, verse 17, Jesus went to be baptized. And John the Baptist said, yo, I know who you are, and it should be you baptizing me. And I ain't fitting to just go baptize the son of the living God. And Jesus said, no, this is the right thing to do. Do it. So John baptized him. And when Jesus came out of the water, the father spoke to him. But it like shook the heavens, you know, because God, he, he big and stuff. Right. And he said, this is my son whom I loved with him. I am well pleased. Right. So God is a father. And he considers you his child. So if you want to catch a glimpse of how God would speak to you, um, check out how God speaks to Jesus. Right? Now, it's important to read the prophets in the Old Testament. It's important because we learn things. But you don't go to the prophet and read what God told Isaiah to tell some other nation to learn how he's going to speak to you. Please don't do that. Right. You want to learn how God's going to speak to you. You are his child. Right. And we have recorded in the Bible conversations between the father and his child, Jesus. Now, make no mistake. We ain't Jesus. Right. He's God, but we are his adopted children. So this is the best way to learn how the father would speak to Jesus. And what does he do? He affirms him. Right. So then the father affirms it again in Matthew 17, verse 5. They're on the Mount of Transfiguration. It's so funny. Peter's like, um, I got an idea. Let's just make a, you know, let's just make three tents and y'all can all. And God just interrupts him to um, affirm Jesus. And while Peter was still speaking, God says this thing to Jesus. This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. When he speaks, I'm speaking. Hear ye him. But listen, God is sharing his authority with Jesus in front of everybody. Doesn't that sound like what God said to Adam, though? Here's my authority. Rule. Guess what God wants to do with you, his child? He wants to share his authority with you. If you hear an affirming voice, affirming you, not whatever nonsense you might have been up to, but you, that's God, right? God affirms. Samuel was in the right place quite by accident. Jesus was in the right place very much on purpose. And whether you're here tonight on accident or on purpose, you're in the right place. Right? But it says Samuel was laying down in the presence of the Lord. So that's where you go to, to be restored, to, um, to catch up, to recover I think it's really important to ask this question, where is your soul laying down? All right? 
Sometimes I'm tempted to go for coffee and, let, and be restored by coffee. It, and it, you know, it does something. It's comfort, you know. It's, it's so nice, right? But coffee does not restore my soul. The Lord is my shepherd. He restores my soul. Where, are, where is your soul laying down? When it's been hectic and you, need to, and you need to be restored, where's your soul laying down? And sometimes things like a hike in nature can help. Sometimes things like a lovely cappuccino can help, right? <laughs> Amen. But I'm going to tell you, if your soul is only laying down in those places, you won't hear the voice of God. We need our souls to lay down in the presence of the Lord. In verse 7, we see that Samuel did not even know the Lord yet. Isn't that crazy? He'd been given in service to God. He surely knew that. Surely that didn't just, you know, you know, in, in, inscript him into, <laughs> into slavery. They told him his story. Surely he knew that there was a God and he was serving in the temple of this God. But he was serving under a corrupt, morally bankrupt, impotent priesthood. And the word of the Lord was rare. There were no signs and no wonders. So Samuel knew of the Lord, but he didn't know the Lord. And there was this event for Samuel, it was an audible voice. How cool is that? Like, there has been no audible voice for me. And that's okay. I know a couple people who have heard an audible voice of the Lord. But there is an event. I recently spoke with someone who's coming out of a lifestyle of addiction. And they woke up one day and they're like, man, I'm done with this. There's got to be something better. It's an event. Right? It's the prodigal son waking up in the mud going, Awa, there's got to be better than this. Right? Even my daddy's servants have it better than this, right? For some people, the event is, is, um, is some horrible trauma, and they come to God. For some people, they stumble on the Word of God on a radio show or a TV program. For some people, it's a church community outreach. For me, growing up in church but not knowing God for real, you know, I didn't know the difference between him and a sack of potatoes. For me... I'm riding in the car and a movie starts playing in my head. It, the experience to me was like a movie. And the movie compared Jesus' behavior from all the Sunday school stories I heard and then some other people's behavior who were real Christians. And then the movie got really unpleasant because it played my behavior, right? And, um, and I learned later that's called conviction. <laughs> but that was my event. I bring that up. What was your event? What was the thing that got you to wake up and go, hey, it doesn't have to be a, 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 an audible voice. Verse 10 says this, Samuel went and laid down in his place. The Lord came and stood there calling as at the other time, Samuel, Samuel. And then Samuel said, speak for your servant is listening. And that's the whole point of tonight. I want to invite you over the next five weeks to just say to the Lord with us, speak, because I'm listening. Right? Lord, I'm listening. Remember, God's point in speaking is relationship. Dallas Willard, if that's how you say his name, Willard, Willard, okay. Um, maybe he's Spanish, Villard, right? <laughs> Dallas Villard has said this, the aim of God in history 
is the creation of an all-inclusive community of loving persons, with God himself at the very center of that community as its prime sustainer and most glorious inhabitant. Isn't that beautiful? So over the next several weeks, as a community, we're going to dive deep into this issue, this opportunity of hearing God's voice. And I want to encourage you like Samuel did, to say, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. And maybe tonight, the first step we can do is say, God, have I agreed with any shame voices? If I agreed, maybe someone said, maybe someone said over and over, well, you're just stupid, right? I had teachers, coaches, friends, other authority figures in my life as a kid telling me I was stupid. And I just agreed. Here's how silly it gets. I had a class of 99. I know some of you grew up in a city of a million. We had a city of, of two and a half thousand. So, so you might have had several hundred people. We had 99. The highest grade point average in that class was mine. I graduated number one out of 99. And then I went to college, and um, it was a little bit bigger. We had a class of about 200. And I graduated number one out of a class of 200. I slumped a little bit in college. My grade point, my, my grade average was only 98. In high school, it was 99. I'm not bragging. Listen, God did something. Before I got saved, before I got saved, I got a nine on a math test. I raised my hand. I said, ma'am. Shouldn't there be a digit in front of this nine, you know, a seven or a five? She said, no, you made a nine, right? So Jesus did something amazing in my life. But here's the point. I'm not bragging because it wasn't me. I've graduated with the average of 99. Then I graduated college with an average of 98. And the day I graduated, I'd look you in the eye, serious as anything, and tell you I was an idiot. Because I agreed with a voice that's talking nonsense. What have you heard? Even if the, I can tell you right now, some of the voices I heard saying that, they didn't mean that. They didn't mean that, but that's what I heard, right? So what have you agreed with that was spoken to you or over you or that you said to yourself? And what is your self-talk like? What are you saying to yourself? And maybe, Lord, tonight I decide, please forgive me for agreeing with that. I disagree with that from now on in Jesus' name. And I drive it out. Amen? And now, Lord, what do you say to me? Father, I just ask you right now, would you speak affirming words all across this auditorium? I didn't, I didn't know I was going to do this. <laughs> Lord, would you speak affirming words? you speak affirming words? If you heard, if anything that I said resonated, maybe right now, just take a minute. God, I agreed when someone said I was ugly. Please forgive me for agreeing with that. Please forgive me for believing that. I release that belief. Just speak to the Lord quietly, loud enough only for you to hear. I release that. I no longer agree with that. Somebody said this, and I believed. I saw this on TV, and I, and even though no one else in my life said it, I just thought that must be true, and I agreed with it, and it's wrong. God, forgive me. And I reject that thing. I break every agreement with it in Jesus' name. Lord, would you speak your affirming word over your people deep into our hearts tonight. Thank you, Lord, as you speak, Lord, as you affirm. And I command every spirit of insecurity to be gone in the name of Jesus out of this house, out of every soul in this place. In Jesus' name, you have no right and no license here. In Jesus' name, go. 
every spirit of shame and worldly sorrow, I command you to go in Jesus' name. Silence your voice. Leave in Jesus' name. Lord, would you pour your words of love and affirmation into our hearts. Lord, would you pour your words of love and affirmation into our hearts. And God, we decide, I want to, I want to ask you to join me in this decision as you say it to the Lord. Father, I want the sound of my heart to agree with your words and no one else's. God, I choose to the things that I think and meditate, that they agree with you and not with the spirit of the age, not with the spirit of shame, not with a demon of insecurity, not with any other spirit, only with you, God. I break all those other agreements. I repent. Lord, I want what's inside my soul to be compatible with what you're saying so that I can hear your voice. Speak to me, Father. I am listening. Amen.